You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Welcome back to the Visions of Education podcast. Today we're doing a, what I like to call a prep-isode. Prep-isode? Yeah, I don't know. It's a pre-episode. Yeah, no, I, I got it. So the difference between this episode and upcoming episodes on this podcast is that today, instead of Michael and I, you know, as kind of somebody working in higher ed and him working in K-12, interviewing somebody about their big idea, I'm going to be interviewing Michael about his big idea in education. How are you doing today? I'm okay. No, I'm good. I'm actually pretty good. Yeah. Today was a beautiful day here in Texas, like 72 degrees. I finished my grades. Ah, uh, that's there's nothing better than <laughs> it finishing really, grades. It's like a huge weight that's gone. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about who is Michael Milton. That's a really deep question. Yeah, it is. I think you're gonna have to dig deep to answer it. Dig deep. Who is Michael Milton? I'm just this guy, <laughs> and I do things, and I like things. Uh, I like history. I like learning. I like teaching. Um, I like reading. Which is kind of all these things are reasons we started to talk online, right? And interact. (laughs) That actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we have common interests in that. We do have, you like reading, writing, and uh, learning too? History. History. Oh, God, history is so neat. So you're a social studies teacher, right? Yeah, I am. I am. I teach social studies um, to high school students. Uh, my U.S. freshmen and my uh, world history juniors. Mm-hmm. How long have you They're been teaching? They're quite enjoyable. I've been teaching uh, for, I think it's five or six years. Uh, and before that, I actually used to work for uh, an AmeriCorps program called City Year mm-hmm. um, in Providence, so how did, now, how did you transition? I moved. Hmm. It was a transition that I always planned on making. When I finished my um, my teaching my teaching degree, it was actually similar to you, where it was uh, like December, and you don't get too many jobs offers in December. And so I ended up um, there was this random position at City Year uh, is like a headquarters manager or something. I needed a job. Um, so I took it and then I ended up staying there for a couple of years that I eventually was senior training and program manager, which was kind of neat because I was managing programming and training for our new AmeriCorps programs for new AmeriCorps uh, members. Um, but then we decided, my wife and I decided that we're going to move to Massachusetts. And I figured that that was my chance to leap into the public school system mm-hmm. and what a leap it was. Well, you've been, you've had an impact. I know. I mean, I, I don't know what you do in your classroom. I've never been there, but I try really hard. <laughs> I believe it. And it's evident because of all the things you're doing online. Right? I am online quite a bit, aren't I? Yeah. But in good, many good ways. Yeah. I feel like that they're online. just like this really neat space where you have 
or at least like on Twitter, like there's this really neat, like dorky history teacher community in which we get to like, you know, make stupid historical jokes and uh, make little meme mashups. Um, we talk about, you know, uh, if uh, the Marvel action heroes were uh, actually involved in World War One, you know, who or World War Two, uh, who would they be and why? Yeah. Yeah, I think you bring a lot of that uh, kind of fun remixing creativity to the SS chat world, to our social studies people on Twitter and on our Facebook group. And I guess this is a, that's a good, this is a good plug, right? Good time to plug our SS chat network. Oh, yes. Are you a teacher? <laughs> Do you like talking about teaching or reading about history? Try SS chat. We are on Twitter and Facebook. There we go. Check us out. Will be facebook.com slash social studies chat or just use the SS chat hashtag on Twitter. And for those of you who don't know what a hashtag is, that is a tic-tac-toe thing. <laughs> or the number sign. Or the number sign or the pound sign. I remember it was the pound sign. Yeah. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about kind of the, the, the big idea you've been exploring. In- sure. So the big idea I've been exploring is using dialogue to um, help with the with the uh, research paper process or the research process. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on you know my junior. I've been like guiding uh, juniors through their research paper for the past five years, um, and I've learned a lot along the way. Um, and I took a, I took a grad school class on actually on writing, which was the best class, one of the best classes I've ever taken. And so the whole focus was uh, Peter Elba, who's this um, uh, renowned researcher, he said that speech is usually social, um, but writing is solitary. Hmm. When you think of like, I mean, think of like a writer, right? You think of someone kind of hunched over in a dark corner with their typewriter, you know, uh, for uh, twas the best of times, twas the worst of times. At least that's how I, I, I assume writers do it. I, um, I was thinking of someone just like on a Mac computer at Starbucks, but okay. <laughs> you're so modern. <laughs> and you're, you're, your person didn't have a great voice either. No, no. <laughs> um, and so that really wasn't the case. People really weren't writing alone. Um, people were saying, hey, please read my work. F. Scott Fitzgerald was like, please, please read my work. Tell me what you think. But when we do that in schools, we don't often share our work. Mm. We don't like get you know feedback. We don't talk about our work. We don't talk as much. Um, and so we kind of participated in this writer's workshop where we actually wrote. Like I wrote some creative stories and I shared it with other people and we talked about it. And then based on what they said, I made changes and then I gave it back to them. Uh, and we talked about it again. And that was a really neat rush because like, I don't know, that feedback – was kind of amazing and it was something that I kind of yearned for. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was part of the college class that you took? Yeah, this is a part of my writing workshop class. Okay. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. And then I started to notice that I actually do this a lot. I was taking a lot of history courses um, in the grad level and I was like writing these papers on, um, you know, whether or not Germany was responsible for World War One, which they totally were. Uh, and I was, when I was researching, I was talking to everyone about this under the sun. I probably bored a lot of people. My colleagues at one point were like, okay, we get it. We get it. 
Uh, at one point, I, st- I, I sought to not bother so many people, and I went to Twitter, and I was like, who's responsible for World War I? And we actually had a really fun debate for a while. But in that, like, I was really strengthening my arguments, not so much trash talking, but like, you know, really strengthening my arguments of why it's their fault. Um, And so that was a really neat experience. And so I was like, hey, why can't my students do this? Mm -hmm. Isn't isn't it funny the little uh, interactions that sometimes turn into the fun discussions? I I always remember when I was working with... uh, social studies, pre-service social studies teachers at Wichita State, we had a Facebook page and I post all kinds of stuff, but I posted uh, somebody's blog post where they, their question was who of all the presidents would win in a knife fight. And like out of all of the, you know, intelligent articles I posted all year, that one, I've read that one. Yeah. That one had like 70 responses and like long detailed arguments from my pre-service social studies teachers. So I love I, when people get geeked out. Yeah, and it was it was, they had a, a blast. I don't condone violence, but we do have a better idea of who would win in a knife fight. So it would be someone probably with long arms. That's interesting. I don't, I th- you know I think a lot of my students just like went straight like predictable Teddy Roosevelt. You know I think I that know. was there. I tried to throw out some dark horses if I remember. Gosh, it's been years, but I, I you know I thought you know LBJ was a pretty lumbering figure. He was. Um, I think he was a little underrated. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I thought maybe like, uh, you know, James Madison would just kind of like, I kind of imagined him like hop, <laughs> hopping around between people's legs like a, like a miniature dachshund who attacks like a big boxer or something. <laughs> I love little Jimmy. Though they say he weighed like 100 pounds. It's hard to believe. That's great. One time he rode a carriage. From Virginia all the way to New Jersey because he liked the girl he who was in the carriage with him. Mm-hmm. But then when she got to New York, because he left in New Jersey, when she got to New York, she became betrothed to someone else. Predictable. Seriously. Okay, so <laughs> back back to your 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 big idea. Yeah. So <laughs> I ended up taking um so I, I was thinking again a lot about you know the research paper process and, and adding discussion to it. And I started to notice that, like, when I was doing these research papers, uh, working with students on the research papers, a lot of students stayed after school to talk with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and those students ended up with a much stronger understanding of their topic, not because I told them anything. All I did was ask them questions right. and listen. And so that was a really neat experience. And so I was thinking, why can't I just have every student stay after school and talk to me? <laughs> There's probably a couple issues with that. <laughs> not everyone can. Right. People have sports. People have to, you know, to babysit. Not everyone can do that. And so how to replicate that is always something that I've thought about. Um, and so then I was taking another course, which was a, a, a teacher action research course, uh, in which we were looking at, you know, something that we could kind of measure, something that we could, um, you know, just kind of see what happens. Um, you know, a research project. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, this is all I've ever wanted to do. So I decided that I was going to do a research project on research projects, specifically adding discussion to it. <laughs> uh, so how'd it okay. go? It went really well. It went really well. Um, so I knew that I couldn't replicate, you know, every student coming after school. So I used um, te- uh, students twice throughout the process sent in audio blogs. Where for five minutes, they talked about their research. 
they talked about, you know, how, how things are going, what they've been learning, what sources that they've been getting into. Um, the first one was about five minutes long and it was more of just like a general kind of like, Hey, here's my topic. And this was leading up to them getting to their thesis statement. And so it was really forcing them to do some research, to be able to talk about their topic for a couple of minutes. Uh, and then they did the same thing before the outline was due where they talked through like their logic, like before they wrote their outline, they talked through their logic on how the paper would start to finish from their thesis all the way down to them, you know, proving their argument. Um, and so it was really neat to see those two things because students, when they were doing them, they found out that at that point they had a lot more research to do, hmm. which is one of the greatest things that they could ever come up with on their own. Uh, I did like a, a survey afterwards and 95% of them realized that they had more research to do. Um, but 85% of them said that they understood more after submitting because they were talking about it in the vernacular. Explain um, that. What do you mean in the vernacular? In their own language. That was one of my big things. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to an article that I was reading in my writing class. Um, going from academic language to academic language, a lot of times students are just kind of wordsmithing and they're not really understanding what they're reading. Mm -hmm. But if they can talk about it in their own language, uh, if they can go from the academic language to the vernacular, then back to the academic language, you know that they understand. Right. And so this forced them to, you know, to talk to me in the in the in sorry in a more formal, informal uh, discussion. Uh, and so I was able to listen to all those and then give them feedback. So that was kind of step one of this whole thing, uh, and that was just kind of like the check in with me. But then I thought that it would be interesting to simulate the discussions that I like had on Twitter. So I put them in research. They ended up calling them research support groups, where they got into a group of like three other students and they met around the same time as the audio blogs were due and they talked about their research very similar to what we were doing except this time not only were they talking about their content they're also talking about the process what common issues were they having as a group uh, in that way there they kind of like um, started like problem solving on their own uh, which was really neat like someone was like you know I'm having a really hard time finding a primary source about this and someone's like, oh, well, have you thought about there are some laws that are probably written and one of those might, you know, be helpful to your paper? Mm -hmm. And so it was neat because I kind of sat there just listening to what everyone was saying. Like I was entering conversations with my ears, which seems kind of weird. Um, but I was just listening to everyone talk about like, you know, their research. They're talking about how to troubleshoot. They're talking um, and all this stuff was happening without me doing anything. Right. Which was awesome. So they were. They were doing the intellectual work while you kind of sat back and observed it. Is, were there points through, throughout this process when you got the first audio blogs, the second one, and then they did this group thing? How, did, when did you have to intervene? How did you intervene? Did you give them feedback after their audio blogs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I gave them feedback right away. Actually, as they were speaking, as I was listening to it, I was like, you know, they would submit it on um, – they submitted them through Classroom, Google Classroom, and I was typing – my notes to them. And then at the end, I kind of wrote a couple more, uh, like a little bit more and then I sent it back to them. So I was able to grade them very quickly. Mm. Um, and then with that, I was really able to focus on students who really needed the help. Um, because I could, you know, students who are, who are not really struggling, who just needed some, like, you know, some guidance, some quick guidance. I could do that, you know, as I was listening to their audio blogs 
And then during their class time when they were working on things, I could really focus on kids who were falling behind. And I knew they were falling behind because I could hear it because they told me. So it was a really great way to kind of like check in with everyone and to really focus my time in class on, you know, who really needed the help. How did you get the idea for using the audio blog? I mean, did that come from just getting to work when you worked with other people and you were just thinking through how do I give them the opportunity to talk about what they're doing? Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to do it because I wanted to check in with every student. I wanted them all to talk to me, but I couldn't, you know, say, hey, you have to talk to me on Wednesday after school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're a one-to-one school where every student has an iPad. Um, But regardless, a lot of students use their phones. And so they're just recording and sending it in. It was really easy. Yeah, it ended up being very simple. It's really fascinating, the idea of talking about your writing. You know what I mean? Because telling a story, explaining it to someone is such a different experience than like the the linear way we write where we try to plan everything out and have outlines and stuff like that. So I think it's it's fascinating. It's almost like they got at their topics in two different ways. Is yeah. that is that kind of the experience you had? Yeah, it is, especially when they're presenting because they would also students, you know, would ask questions. Um sometimes it was for more clarifying information, sometimes it was just cuz something was kind of interesting or they thought that maybe they should look into this area. And so it was a really neat way for, again, students to really drive it, but for students to show, um, I don't know, like their curiosity. Mm-hmm. And that really ended up fueling more discussion. So the next time when they met in their small group, they were like, oh, yeah, I researched that. That was kind of neat. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So for, for teachers that would like to try to apply this to their classroom, that would like try to make this work. Or just if you have other ideas or implications of what you've done, what 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 would you tell other educators? Um, what would your advice be to them about how they could do something similar? I think building like a classroom community is really important. And so if you're going to have them, you know, have these conversations, maybe start it earlier. Um, maybe you know, for like at the end of a class, um, you know, throw out like a big question. Uh, or like your essential question and have students like in small groups, just talk about it. Um, just talk about answering like in a small group, you don't need to, you know, sit there and say, all right, you need to check this off. You don't need to turn anything in. The whole purpose is just to have a discussion. Mm. Uh, and so really kind of building that community could kind of like step up to it. Um, at least I think. So creating a safe space to be able to have, you know, share openly about your writing process and your research process. Um, they've got to have, feel safe within that community to really make to share. Yeah, and I feel like you know having like a, a strong co- like classroom community is really important in general, mm-hmm. um, especially in a social studies class because you're going to be talking. I mean, really, social studies, English, okay, even science. You know, most classes a lot of times you're going to have some pretty <laughs> heady stuff, right? Uh, and so, yeah, building like a place where people feel comfortable sharing is so important. Great. Well, thanks for sharing, Michael. Uh, you know. I love the idea and I'm, I'm already thinking that it's something that I could integrate into my classes. So you've got me convinced. Woohoo. Yeah. You can, right. you can find Michael and I, uh, on Twitter. I'm at Dan Krutka, D A N K R U T K A. And Michael is at 42 think deep. Yep. And you can find us there with questions, concerns, thoughts on this podcast. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast signing off.